Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church and Pastor Jack Marslinder. This message is from the series Ephesians, Who We Are and What We Do in Christ, and was preached on September 19th, 2021. We're in the book of Ephesians today, continuing our study, and this is already the second time, the passage we're going to read today is already the second time that Paul has prayed for the people of Ephesus, and that alone should tell us something about the importance of prayer. But while he's praying, he's answering a question for us that I really want you to understand. Why do we pray? Why should we pray? And I want you to understand that. Now, before we read Paul's beautiful prayer, let me tell you that I read and hear a lot of prayers And several of you, by the way, have sent me some prayers. Um, Now, I'm not going to tell you who these came from because it might, uh, well, I don't want to incriminate anybody. But here's one prayer that I received some time ago. A woman in our church who's married sent me this prayer. Dear God, I pray for wisdom so I can understand my husband. Love so I can forgive him. And patience so I can put up with his moods. I don't ask for strength, because if I had it, I'd probably beat him to death. (laughs) Maybe not the world's best prayer, but you can kind of understand where she's coming from. Another one of you sent me this prayer. God, this year I pray for a fat bank account and a skinny body. Please don't get them mixed up like you did last year. Amen. And this one has been around for a while. God... Thank you for being with me so far today. It's been good. I haven't lost my temper or gossiped or cursed. I haven't overeaten, yelled at the kids, been lazy, or wasted money. But God, I'm going to be getting out of bed here in a couple minutes, and I'm going to need your help. Now, I think we can do better than those prayers. And if you really want to know how to pray, then look at this passage in Ephesians. It's Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21. I'm going to read it a couple of times. Now, I'll have you stand the second time through, because the first time through, I'm going to kind of make some comments on it, and then we'll all just read it and let God speak to us. But it's Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, an incredible passage that that is just a, a beautiful prayer. So let's think about it. For this reason, Paul starts out. That's kind of like the word, therefore. I told you when you see something like that, that transition is pointing back. You need to remember what Paul was writing about. What he was writing about was the gospel. So he's saying, because of the gospel, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. Now, that's a beautiful phrase. It's even more beautiful in the Greek. Because understand that in the Greek, the word for father and the word for family come from the same root, and they sound alike. So he's saying, I kneel before the Father from whom every fatherhood gets its name, a reminder that all of us come from God. And then he goes on, I pray that out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people. Some translations that will say saints. We talked about that earlier in Ephesians. That's who we are. 
We are God's holy people. We are saints. To grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now notice there, there, there are four dimensions there. In our world, we typically think of three. You know, we've got, got width and, and length and height. Paul adds a fourth one here, kind of reminding us that, that his love is beyond our ability. It's so deep to understand. And that's how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And then he goes into these next couple of verses, which are, are to, to use the, the word a doxology, which is a short word of praise. And the church that I grew up in often used the doxology that Mary Kay and, and the worship team sang this morning at the conclusion of a prayer. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And that's what Paul leads us into, this beautiful doxology, benediction, word of praise that reads like this. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And notice that Paul does something he's done throughout the book of, of, of uh, um, Ephesians. He's pointed to all three members of the Trinity there. Now to him, the Father, and his power within us, the Spirit, and in Christ Jesus, the Son. And so he's giving praise and glory to all three members of the Trinity. That's just a little kind of running commentary. Now I want us all to stand together, and we're going to read it and let God speak to us. Here's how it reads. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that it is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. That is just an incredible passage. And in it, while he prays this beautiful prayer for the people of Ephesus, he is teaching us why we should pray. Now, you know, as, as a pastor, I'm constantly encouraging, teaching you, challenging you to pray. And today, I want to talk about why do we pray. And I want to share with you six reasons why we pray that are all found in this passage. And number one, we pray because of this gospel. For this reason, Paul started out. That refers to the previous passage, which explains the gospel. So because of the gospel, as a natural, resort of, a natural result of the gospel of Jesus, we pray. Because there is a God who loves us, we pray. Because God sent Jesus to die for us on the cross and to show his love for us, we pray. Because we were dead in our sins and made alive in Christ, we pray. 
because the mystery of the gospel declares that you and I are one family despite our different backgrounds. We pray for each other. And so if you really understand the gospel and how incredible God's love is for us and how much he cares for us and how much he's done for us and how he saved us miraculously transforming us from a dead man in our sins to a live man in God, then we pray. And I kind of wonder, you know, because remember Paul was in prison when he prayed this. And one of the things that often happened, and we think maybe happened in, in this situation, was that when, when an important man like Paul was in prison, one of the things they did, because buildings couldn't be as secure as they were today, is that they would chain the prisoner to a Roman guard. So I wonder what happened here when, when, when Paul said, I kneel. Come on, guy, you got to come with me. I mean, what a beautiful testimony that he was making. Listen, I'm not in here because of you, but I want you to know that I pray because there is a God in heaven who loves me, who sent his son Jesus to die for me. And so I want to talk to him. Would you, would you kneel with me? And by the way, we, we've got uh, um, Dr. Pearson teaching the, the, the second two classes today at 945 on Jesus <coughs> conversations. And he's going to talk to us about you know, how to make a transition to people. That is probably the most common hook I use to talk to people about the gospel. People are hurting, and they tell me their story. And, and I often, not because I'm a pastor, but because I'm a Christian, just say, you know, I, I really believe in prayer, and I wish I had the answer to be able to solve your problem, and I don't, but I believe that God can. Can we pray? And that often leads into a conversation about the gospel. And so I kind of challenge you to do that on, on a regular basis. We pray because of the gospel, and so prayer should be something we're doing regularly, constantly for us, for our family, for our church, for our nation, for strangers on the, on the side of the road, for people who are hurting. And if you're talking to people, you know there's a, an abundance of hurting people around us everywhere. And so because of the gospel, because of what Jesus has done for us, we pray. The second reason we pray is because God is rich. Notice verse 15, I pray that out of his glorious riches... God is rich in all ways. He has unlimited resources. He has unlimited power. He has unlimited love. He has unlimited ability. He has unlimited knowledge. And because he knows all things and loves us more than anyone has ever loved us, and because he has all things that are needed to do what needs to be done, then talking to him should be automatic. That's part of the problem in the worlds today, even in the church. We talk to and listen to our friends. We talk to and listen to counselors. We listen to politicians, celebrities, social media influence, podcasters, bloggers, and we listen to them instead of the one and the only one with the power, the resources, and the love to do what is needed. We talk to people, in other words, who don't have a clue, and even if they do have a clue, they don't have the power to solve our problems instead of the one who has the love, the power, the ability, and the resources to do what needs to be done. God should be the first person we talk to about anything and everything and not the last resort when things are falling apart. Why? Because God is rich. Now, let me see if you got this. I want to test you. Okay? If your need is cash, 
And let's just say, Stu, you happen to be right here. Stu is a, at least for today's purposes, Stu is a multi-billionaire. Okay? And he's a good guy. And he loves you. And he's helped you many, many times before that Stu. And over here is Mary Kay. She's poor, <laughs> penniless, mean, and homeless now that Larry kicked her out. You've asked her for help before. She pretended like she didn't even know you. Okay, now you're smart people. Are you going to ask Stu for help or are you going to ask Mary Kay for help? Okay, okay let me start to point over because you didn't answer me. Okay. We go to God because God is rich. You need cash. You're going to go to the billionaire who loves you or the penniless person who doesn't. Who are you going to go to? You're going to go to Stu. Okay, Stu, I need a couple hundred dollars today before the day's over. We'll talk about that after church. No, listen, and we need to understand this. We pray to God because God is rich in all ways. And I'm not just talking cash. He has the knowledge. He has the love. He has the power. He has the ability. I'm not saying don't talk to your friends. Don't talk to counselors. Don't talk to pastors. You can get some wisdom there. But ultimately, the one we need to go to is the only one who can solve our issues, and that's God. And so we pray because of the gospel, and we pray because God is rich. And by the way, so what that means, if, if you're not a person of prayer, and you haven't learned to pray, then, then your opinion of God is way too low. Because if you really believe that he had glorious riches, he would be the one you're talking to. So we pray because of the gospel. We pray because God is rich. Number three, we pray because we are weak. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the Spirit in your inner being, that God may strengthen you with the power in your inner being because you're weak and you need it, and I'm weak and I need it. And we will never learn to pray the way that we should until we are convinced that on the inside where it counts, we are weak. We don't have the strength to do what needs to be done. We don't have the resources to do what needs to be done. We don't have the power to change others because we found out in our lives we don't even really have the power to change ourselves. We don't have the wisdom and the intelligence to even figure out what needs to be done, let alone do it. Those who think on a regular basis, I've got this, never become great people of prayer because they value themselves way too highly. And don't see God as he really is. Only those who have learned, I am weak, but he is strong, are the ones who learn to pray. So I've challenged you before to, to, to become a person of prayer and to participate in prayer meetings. But what I'm telling you today is why we should pray. Because of the gospel. Because God is rich. Because we are weak. And I want to tell you something honestly about me. Every single week, as a preacher, I frustrate myself. I take this preaching thing seriously. I work on it. I want to do the best that I can. But at the end of the writing of my sermon, I come to this conclusion. God, this is pretty weak. Maybe even pathetic. And this isn't going to change a person's heart, soul, mind, or strength to one iota. 
not even sure that I can stand in front of the camera and preach it or stand in front of the congregation and preach it because it's no good. So I need you. And I need what only you can do. Because I cannot do it. You've called me to stand and preach your word, and that's a scary thing to do. And I'm afraid I'm going to mess it up, blow a great opportunity, not preach what needs to be preached, not say the truth. So God, I need you. So we pray because we are weak. And if you're honest about yourself, you've got to learn to see that. Yeah, God's given me talents and abilities and, 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 and gifts, but they mean nothing apart from God's power. Because apart from Him, I am weak. So we pray because of the gospel. We pray because God is rich. We pray because we are weak. And then this beautiful passage in the middle, we pray because God's love is amazing. Paul says, understand already, he's talked about in Ephesians, that we are believers because of God's love and grace and mercy. And now he prays, asking that we would understand how amazing that it is. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. All my life as a preacher, I've tried to find ways to explain God's love, and I admit that I cannot do it. Maybe that's why Paul added that fourth dimension here. Because honestly, when you and I think in, in terms of size today, we typically think in two or three dimensions. My house is X number of square feet. That's two dimensions, width times length. I can go to a third dimension to get the volume width times length times height. But Paul says there are four dimensions to God's love. And my mind can't quite get around that. All I can do is tell you that God's love is amazing. I believe it with all my heart. It is, in my mind, and you've heard me say this before, it is my ultimate foundational point of theology is that there is a God and he loves me. And that's where it starts for me. There is a God and he loves me. And this love, according to Paul, is wide enough to include every single human being who has ever lived of every ethnicity, citizenship, faith, morality, and philosophy. It's wide enough to include every single human being. It's long enough to last for all eternity. Do you ever get tired of people? Uh, don't look at them. You know, over time, we have a tendency to get tired of certain people. We, we, we need a break. After a million years, and I can't understand why, because some of you get tired of me. After a million years, God will never get tired of me. His love is that long. It's long enough to last for all eternity. It's high enough that there is no list of sins that could ever be enough to cause God to turn his back on me. I'm always amazed at the crucifixion of Jesus. And when they're nailing him to a cross, he could say, Father, forgive them. We'd be filled with pain, which would lead to anger and maybe even hatred. And yet, Jesus is still showing love. And it's deep enough that I will never exhaust it. 
no matter how much I sin, no matter how much I rebel, no matter how stupid are my mistakes, God will always be there reminding me that he loves me. And so I pray because I know there's a God on the other end of my prayer line who loves me. Don't worry about how you say it. God is not a professor who's going to grade your prayer. He's not a perfectionist who's going to correct your prayer. He's not a bureaucrat that I'm going to have to yell and scream in order to convince him to take my case. He's not hard of hearing, and so I don't have to worry about whether he can hear me or not. I pray because I have a God who loves me, and I will never reach the end of the width, length, height, or depth of his prayer. And so I know there's always a loving God on the other end of my prayer line. And so I can pray to him, and Paul's saying, listen, this is my prayer for you, is that you will understand that and live by it. Why pray? Because of the gospel, because God is rich, because we are weak, because God's love is amazing, and number five, because God's power is indescribable. And I love that doxology. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that it is at work within us. As I, as I said when we prayed at the beginning of the service, I can imagine a lot. And I often pray big prayers. You've heard some of those, and if you're in Wednesday night prayer meeting, you hear some of those. God, we're praying that tens of millions and even hundreds of millions of Americans come to faith in Jesus in 2021, and this is already September. We pray big prayers, but Paul is saying God's power can do even more than we can imagine. As human beings, we are used to limited power. The gas in my truck will last for X number of miles. The energy in my phone's battery will last for X number of, of, of hours. Even the energy of the sun, they say, is limited and will only last for 5 billion years or so before it diminishes. God's power is not like that. There is no limit. There is no end. It will never run out. I wrote to this point, and then I saw my, my point there. It says, God's power is indescribable, so why are you trying to describe it? I can't. <laughs> but that's why I pray, because God's power is indescribable. And number six, we pray because our job is to bring God glory. You and I have this impossible job. We, the church, according to verse 21, are supposed to bring God's glory. I can't do that. And neither can you unless God does something miraculous in us. So, so look at me. I'm just an aging, overweight, Baptist preacher with limited skills in need of a haircut and a shave, leading a people of similarly limited people, or skills, ability, power. And I'm supposed to give God glory and we, the church, Avondale Baptist Church, has been charged with give God glory. If that's our task, and we know we can't do it because we are weak, then we need to pray like we've never prayed before. God, yes, we pray to you to change our country, but we also understand that the, the, the church is supposed to be part of that. So God, we need your help. We cannot do this 
on our own. Our task is impossible. And so we pray to the only one who can make it possible. So why do we pray? I really want you to understand this because, man, I want us to be a praying church. I want you to pray individually. I want you to pray in your classes. I want you to pray when the choir meets. I want you to, to support and pray in prayer meetings. But why do we pray? Because of the gospel. Because God is rich. Because we are weak. Because God's love is amazing. Because God's power is indescribable. And because our job is to give God glory. And we can't do that. So I'm nearing the end of my message. I want to be clear about what I'm asking you to do. So make sure you get this. What comes next? Number one, make sure you have received God's love yourself. As we've gone through the book of Ephesians, I've been describing the gospel of Jesus, which is based on God's love and grace and mercy. He loved us so that even when we were sinners rebelling against him. He cared for us and sent Jesus to die for us. And then he opened up his salvation, this ability to forgive sins and come into our hearts and lives and give us everlasting life. He offered that to all people, which means he offered it to you. And as Eddie told us in our Jesus conversations last week, it's an offer you need to respond. And so what's your response? My prayer is that your response is, yes, I will believe in you. I will ask you into my heart. I do need you. I thank you for what Jesus did for me. I want to follow you. I'm afraid that, that for many people who go to church, they, they've heard that so often that their response is just, And many in the world, its response today is, I don't even want to hear it. But it is, a, it is an offer that demands a response. And so I want to make sure that you're not just a churchgoer, that you really are a believer in and a follower of Jesus Christ. And so I'm issuing you an invitation that you need to respond to. I've already taken advantage of that invitation. Thank you, God. Or I want to take advantage of it today. Or listen, I really need to talk and think and pray about this. And so I'm going to come forward and ask someone to pray for me. It's an offer that demands a response. So make sure you have received God's love yourself. And then obviously, point number two, what am I asking you to do? Pray. Pray consistently and constantly. Pray by yourself. Pray in a group. Just pray. And I want to challenge you to do something that is incredibly old-fashioned and that many churches don't even do today, and that is to join a group whose purpose is to pray. And not just a group that has an opening and closing prayer, not just a Bible study, you need to be in part one of those, not just a Bible study that, you know, that has an opening and closing prayer, but a group in which one of the, if not the, stated purposes, we gather together to pray. Wednesday night prayer meeting. If you can't make that one, hey, I've told you before, start your own. Um, before the pandemic, we had one uh, a men's Bible study going on at 6 a.m. That's too early for you, do it at 8 a.m. 
If you're a night person, do it at 9 p.m. If, if you work strange shifts, meet with three or four or five people you know, at, at, at uh, four in the morning when you got off the three o'clock shift. But join a group whose purpose is we are gathered together to pray. And not just give lip service to it. Not to just say amen when the pastor preaches prayer. But to actually join a group whose purpose is to pray. I am convinced, absolutely 100% convinced, that America will not experience revival until God's people gather together to do nothing but pray. And we keep talking about that and hoping for that, and we keep, keep thinking we're going to solve it by electing the right people. It ain't going to happen. By passing the right laws, it ain't going to happen. And we won't have revival until the hearts of Americans are changed, and Americans' hearts won't be changed until God is at work. And God has told us, until my people gather together and pray like they've never prayed before, you pretty much deserve what you got. So if you're unhappy with life in America, don't complain, pray. Don't tell people how bad it is and post on social media, this is how horrible our president is, this is what's wrong with our stupid Congress, this is what's wrong with the world. You got no right to complain as believers until you can gather together and take your complaints to God and nowhere else. The world is tired of the church telling them how bad it is when we don't take it to God and ask him to do something different. So listen to me, all of you, look at me. You know what I'm asking you to do? Don't just say amen and clap right now. Join a prayer meeting, a group in which the purpose is to pray, and then pray with all your heart. Make sure you receive God's love. Maybe that's God calling right now, and, 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 and he wants you to respond. And then pray consistently and constantly by yourself, with your family, and in a group. Doesn't have to be a group led by me. Doesn't have to be our Wednesday night prayer meeting. That's not convenient for everybody. But join a group in which the purpose is to pray. Let's do it right now. Thank you for listening to messages from Avondale Baptist Church. If we can help you in any way, please contact us. Our information is on our webpage at abcaz.net or you can call us at 623 623- 932 Thank you and may God bless you and your family.